Good morning, church. It is good to see you here in worship, whether you're on site or online. I greet you in the name of Jesus the Christ, who in Scripture is both known as the suffering servant as well as the conquering king. Uh, Prior to the sermon, I did want to issue a personal invitation. A year from this coming week, March of 2024, I will be leading a trip to the Holy Land. If you've never been before, I would encourage you to consider it. We have brochures available outside. There's also an interest meeting this afternoon immediately following our 1115 service in the boardroom. And if you can't make that, I'd be glad to talk with you and give you a little bit more information and details. It is a trip that will transform your spirits as well as your understanding of Scripture. As Reverend Sarah shared with the children, today is the first Sunday of Lent in the Christian calendar. It's a 40-day period, excluding Sundays, that leads up to and prepares our hearts for the events of Holy Week, of Christ's suffering, death, and ultimately of Easter and of the resurrection. Our Lenten worship series is Healing Touch, And we're going to be exploring God's promises of wholeness and healing in our lives, beginning today with physical healing. And our scripture lesson comes from James chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may heal, be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Amen. I served as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of West Point between 1995 and 2000. There was a young man named Creighton in the congregation, and one day while he was driving to work, his vehicle was T-boned by a semi-truck. They flighted him to Emory with traumatic brain injuries, and over the next hours and days, his brain continued to swell. And the doctors told his family there was little hope of survival, and if he did, he would never be the same again. Friday, we held a prayer vigil in the sanctuary at noon, and members of the congregation as well as the community packed the place out. Later, physicians looked back to that day that Creighton came closest to dying before he began a slow, miraculous recovery. Three weeks later, he was sitting up in bed, talking, engaging people, but there was one moment of concern when a therapist came in and tested his math skills, and he was unable to answer some of the questions. And finally, Creighton just put down the test, laughed, and said, Ma'am, you don't understand. I couldn't do math before the accident. (laughs) Today, Creighton's fully recovered, He lives in Defuniac Springs, Florida, where he's married with two children and teaches school. The Gospels are filled with stories of healing. You have your stories, I have mine. In the Gospels, Jesus healed a multitude of people, including Simon Peter's mother-in-law, a blind man alongside the road, a person 
afflicted with leprosy. Lazarus, four days dead in the grave. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record that Jesus' public ministry was of preaching, teaching, healing, and exorcism. And every time he acted powerfully, it was a sign God's kingdom was breaking into the world, overcoming Satan's rule. Jesus, in turn, gifted his followers with the same healing touch. The disciples went out two by two, proclaiming the gospel and healing the sick. The New Testament church following Pentecost, the apostles' reputation became so great that people would lay their sick out in the street in hopes that Simon Peter would walk by and his shadow would fall over them. In Ephesus, Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons that he had touched were taken to the sick and they were healed. We read today in James of how the church is continued to be encouraged and commanded to pray for the sick that God might bring physical healing in their lives. It undergirds our ministry here at Northside. It's the reason we have a prayer ministry in part. Every week we have a prayer list that we come up with and we share with our prayer team and those situations and persons are prayed over. They are sent notes. During the pastoral prayer, we lift up names of those who are struggling because we believe in God's power to heal. This ministry is a vital part of the church, and yet it is one that oftentimes both clergy and congregations avoid or approach with some hesitancy. The church oftentimes has been reduced to a ministry of visiting the sick rather than healing them. And I think there are several reasons for this. In part, we live in an age of vocational specialization. And we tend to assign physical healing to the medical profession. Doctors, surgeons, nurses, counselors, psychiatrists are modern-day healers and exorcists. And we're much more likely to go to an office or an institution than a sanctuary or an altar for healing. Here clearly, I appreciate and have benefited from those of you who are in the medical community. But it's not either or, it is both and. If you're sick, make a doctor's appointment and have somebody pray for you as well. Second reason we avoid it is that physical healing has also been a source of abuse in the church. Since New Testament times, charlatans have attempted to counterfeit the Holy Spirit's power for their own personal profit. Some of you may recall the movie that uh, starred comedian Steve Martin entitled Leap of Faith. He played a con artist, a traveling faith healer, and the tagline of the movie always caught my eye. It said, real miracles, reasonably priced. But we dare not allow the malpractice of some to keep us from claiming our birthright as God's people. In the United Methodist Church, there's been an increased emphasis on healing in the last decades. Our United Methodist Book of Worship has an entire section on healing services. The third reason we oftentimes avoid this topic, and I'm speaking for preachers at this point, is it opens a theological can of worms. A lot of questions that are sometimes difficult to answer. And we're going to be exploring some of those in the next moments of the sermon.
But today, I want us to look at some scriptural principles of healing that will serve as a foundation for the entire series, but especially for this sermon on physical healing. Spiritual and scriptural principle number one, all healing is divine. God is the great physician. All healing that we experience in our lives, regardless of what it is, flows from our Savior and our Lord. All of our children here, boys and girls, you know that our bodies are created to be healed. If you cut your finger, you put a Band-Aid on it, you make sure it's clean, and a week or two later, the cut's gone. Some of you I've seen have had broken bones in the past, and the doctor puts a cast on it, and six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks later, you might never even know your bone was broken. Get to be 65, it's a different case. We also recognize that God brings healing through the medical profession. I want to say that again, that if you're in the healing profession, you're practicing a ministry standing in the shadow of the great physician. Doctor and missionary Albert Schweitzer once said, it's supposed to be a professional secret, but I'll tell you anyway. We doctors do nothing. We only heal and encourage the doctor within. Principle number two. When we talk about healing, we typically talk about faith healing. And the Bible is clear that faith is an integral part of our relationship with God and how it brings healing in our lives. In fact, the healing, physical healing ministry of the church has often been times been called faith healing. And as soon as I say that phrase, I need to back up and explain a few things. Faith is a critical part of our Christian faith. But physical healing is not dependent upon the quality and quantity of your faith or the number of people you get to pray for you. And I say that for this reason. I have seen people in the life of the church who have not experienced physical healing in their life or the life of others, and they have been told, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith. And that is scripturally inaccurate and is theological malpractice because if it's simply dependent upon our faith, it's something we're doing. It shifts the attention off of God and onto us. And you read the gospel accounts, there are times when Jesus will sell to say to someone he's healed, your faith has made you well. But there are other occasions when Jesus heals somebody that the person's faith was not in action. Ultimately, all healing is grace. And grace, by definition, is a gift given to us that we don't earn or merit or deserve. God gives it to us because God is God. Which brings us to the next principle. God heals us physically, but not always. And here is where the struggle comes. And we bump nose first into the mystery and majesty of how God works in our lives as well as in the world. I began the service by telling you the miraculous story of Creighton's recovery. One of the most powerful divine moments of intervention I have ever witnessed in pastoral ministry. A year later, same congregation, 
we sent a mission trip to Central America. Part of the members included a young couple, Brian and Angie. While they were out in the countryside, Angie got a very high fever. And by the time they got her back to Panama City, she had slipped into a coma. Once again, we had a prayer vigil in the sanctuary. The congregation, the community crowded that space. We prayed fervently for Angie's recovery. She never came out of the coma, and she died. On a mission trip, doing God's work. How do you explain that to a family, to a community of faith? Part of what we recognize is that not all healing services are curing services. That God does not always bring physical healing in the way that we want and we cry out for. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray God's will. We ask God's kingdom to break into our midst. But it leads to the next scriptural principle that all healing is not physical. Sometimes healing comes in different forms. It comes as a mental, emotional, relational, spiritual healing. That God acts in a way that we had not anticipated, we had not imagined, and if we're real honest, not in the way we wanted. But looking back, we may have the wisdom to see how God brought a healing different from what we wanted but no less needed. And I want to say this next part gently and pastorally, because I've experienced it, you have as well. Sometimes we pray for physical healing, and what we receive is death. I've seen it with my sister. I saw it with my mother and my father. There may well be a moment when you are praying for death because it releases them from suffering and from pain. But if we believe what we say we believe, then we can echo Paul's words, to live as Christ, to die as gain, and that we go from this life to the life to come. And we celebrate who we are in Jesus the Christ. The next principle is that all healing is sacramental. Sacramental means that God uses physical agents for spiritual healing and grace. Uh, the two sacraments we have in the Methodist Church are Holy Communion and Baptism, which uses bread and juice and water to convey spiritual meaning. Uh, healing in the Bible and in the practice of the church is usually sacramental. It includes physical touch. If somebody's hurting, we intuitively want to hold their hand, pat their shoulder, give them a hug. In healing services, there's something that is known as laying on of hands. Healing is also sacramental because, as we've heard in James, oftentimes the use of oil is employed. In Old Testament times, oil was thought to have medicinal value. In New Testament times and in contemporary times, it is more of a physical agent to remind us of a spiritual presence. Many of you are aware, and if you're not, I certainly want to share with you today that we on a regular basis have healing services here at Northside Church. We'll meet with family, friends, whoever wants to gather in the prayer chapel or in the chapel, and we'll pray for that person's healing. 
Typically, we have them kneel at the altar. We'll take oil, put the sign of the cross on their forehead, and then we'll lay hands upon them and pray in the name of Jesus for their healing just as we were instructed in James. And there are stories we can share of how God has acted powerfully. And there are also stories we can share of how God acted in ways that from our human perspective were not what we wanted or desired, and yet we claim by faith that God acted anyway. This morning we began our Lenten journey recognizing God's healing touch. Every person here requires and needs it. There's something in our lives that is broken, that needs to be made whole, that is hurting, that needs healing. My prayer is that in the weeks to come, we will come before God's altar and we will experience healing, maybe not in the way we ask for, but in the way that God knows we need. Let us pray. Gracious God, hear the prayer of your children. We recognize that we're short-sighted. We don't see the bigger picture. Oftentimes, we do not have an eternal perspective. And so, we oftentimes don't see how you're working in our lives. And we call out to you and feel like maybe you have not answered. And yet, sometimes you give us the grace looking back to see how you were at work all along. We just didn't notice it, or at least expect it in the way that it came. Lord, touch us as Jesus touched the sick. Bring healing beyond all imagination in our lives. Make us whole in Christ's name we pray. Amen.